today on CityCast Chicago. Opening ceremonies for the Summer Olympics are tomorrow, but Tokyo is in another lockdown. Athletes will compete in empty stadiums, and the anxiety of just one positive COVID test is palpable. We have a security guard in our hotel. You sign out with her, and she starts a little timer for you. She sets it for 15. I set it for 14 because I don't want to get in trouble. So I give myself like a minute to run back across the street, maybe like Frogger if I have to, you know, dodging the cars. This is the fourth Olympics that Chicago Tribune reporter Stacy St. Clair has covered. We check in with her from her small hotel room in Olympic Village on the third day of her mandatory two-week quarantine. Literally, I can touch all the walls, pretty much. It's Thursday, July 22nd. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Stacey, I have to ask, do you love the Olympics, or is this just a job for you? I love Olympic moments. I, I'm enough of a journalist to be skeptical about some of the business of the, of the IOC, to raise questions about whether we should be having these games at all um, in the middle of a pandemic. But I'm also a, a big fan of, you know, humans overcoming adversity and, and people um, doing their best and, and, and aiming to do their best. It's very addictive to be around. I mean, it's very obvious. These Olympics are not like pretty much anything we've probably seen in our lifetime. As you were preparing for these games, what was the overwhelming sentiment you were getting from people who were also traveling to Tokyo? Was it fear? Was it excitement? Was it apprehension? One of the primary responses that we heard from people, from the athletes, was was disappointment. Because this is not only a moment for them, um, the Olympics have always been a moment for an entire family that that sacrificed, right? For the, you know, the the moms and dads who sat in bleachers for hours on end and skipped family vacation in order to, you know, get additional training for their kid or, or get them the equipment they needed. And, you know, those parents aren't going to be there. It's not going to be a shared family um, experience. And I think, you know, as viewers, we like those moments too, right? You know, there was that, that famous moment where the dad from, uh, jumped over the fence and helped his son finish the race. Like, we're not going to get anything like that. The applause swelling throughout Olympic Stadium as Redmond, with assistance this time, approaches the finish line he had wanted so desperately to reach. The athletes will miss it, the families will miss it, and I, I think viewers are going to miss it. That is the Olympic spirit. There is also a sense of relief that the games among the athletes that the games are happening. A lot of them have worked their whole lives toward this and, and they didn't want that opportunity taken away from them. But right now, I think people are existing in, in fear that they will get a positive test and, that will, and then that will end their Olympic dream. Let's stay with the athletes for a second. They've been piling into Olympic Village for the last couple of weeks. What are you hearing from athletes about the state of the Athletic Village? Because, you know, you get so many rumors, so many reports coming out of Olympic Village uh, when the Olympics start. Well, I talked yesterday to um, Eliza Stone of, of Hyde Park, who is a, a fencer. This is her first Olympics, and she 
could not say enough good things about the village. And she kept saying like, oh, you know, the veteran Olympians tell me like, oh, no, this is nothing like what you, you know, it can be. But, you know, there are some weird things, right? Like when they go into the dining hall, there's plastic partitions between all the seats. So there's there's no COVID spreading. And there, there's rules against hug, hugging and high-fiving. You know, there's a lot of pin trading going on, which is very popular among the athletes um, at every Olympics. And so... Like flag pins? Yeah, fla- exactly. Exactly. Flag pins. And they're, they're kind of a form of um, of currency at the Olympics. Like you, um, when someone does something nice for you, you, you give them a pin. There are, what, 50 plus Chicago area athletes that you all are following, that you're interested in getting their stories. You know, obviously, we're not going to talk about all of them. But are there any in particular that you're really looking forward to seeing compete? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to um, Tori Franklin, who is a a triple jumper. She's got a real positive uh, attitude about life. She's very open about um, her struggles uh, with depression. She actually got fired by her coach about six months ago because he didn't think she had what it, what it took to get to the Olympics. You know, she showed him and, and she's someone who I think is going to have a hard time because she's very, very popular on the international track circuit for a crowd clap that she leads before her jumps. And she usually really uses that to get herself going. And she's not gonna be able to, to do that. She's not gonna have a crowd to play off of. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that works. I'm also interested in seeing uh, Chicago's Kent Farrington, who is a um, a equestrian jumper. And, you know, Chicago is not exactly, the city of Chicago is not exactly a an equestrian paradise. No, we did a story about a black rodeo a couple of weeks ago and people were shocked as hell that there <laughs> were horses on the south side. <laughs> exactly. And, and Kent um, uh, learned how to ride by riding the the handsome cab, the carriages that go around the city, you know, in Magnificent Mile, he learned how to uh, ride horses uh, on those horses. So I'm really interested in that. And that's just a fun, fun one to go out and watch because the horses are, are amazing. Well, I saw somebody make a, a air horse one joke. Yeah, I'm going I'm to oh. work that into a story. That's a good one, though, right? Or is it, yeah, too, is it, I, nah, too, pun, it too bad of a pun? <laughs> Oh no, it's bad. It's- <laughs> let's let's keep it real. It's bad, but it's bad and that makes it great. Yeah, exactly. Okay, real quick. Invite one friend to sign up for the City Cash Chicago newsletter and we will send you a curated list of the best Chicago summer activities. We call it our second half of summer bucket list. Get all the details at chicago.citycast.fm. Japan a couple of weeks ago decided that they were not going to allow the crowd to come in as they're facing, I believe, their fourth surge of COVID. And the country is unfortunately does not have a large uh, amount of its population vaccinated. What are you hearing from the citizens? Because all I've seen is polls that say Tokyo is not happy that these Olympics are going on. It is not uncommon for people to be against their their city hosting the Olympics, right? Remember Chicago and in, in you know the 2016, people were opposed to it. And and you see that. You see opposition. But generally what happens is like the closer you get to the date, people get A excited and B just want the thing to go off well. That's what makes this so unusual um, that there is so much opposition. 
Toyota pulled all of its ads out of the broadcast so as not to be associated with it anymore. And another company just did the same today. So they've lost two major sponsors. People have been, they're very polite society here. So people don't, you know, say like, hi, like, they don't say, hi, we wish you weren't here. The, the few that I, I have interacted with, and, and it is limited to the hotel and the mini mart that I'm allowed to go to. They don't ask a lot of questions about the Olympics, which is rare. You know, when I was in Sochi, when I was in, in London or, or Rio, the, the people you met talk to you about the Olympics and, and they don't here. Do you at least feel that the precautions around COVID um, is, is enough to ensure safety over the next couple of weeks? Um, I think the precautions are strong. You know, one of the things that the IOC president uh, said was that he could guarantee this would not be a super spreader event. And I think that is completely irresponsible to say. And it is a lie. It is not true. He can't say that with 100% certainty. Can he do everything that they think is possible to prevent it to becoming uh, a super spreader event? Yes, he can say that. But to say it won't be is insulting to the people of Japan. That said, there is so much testing going on here. The athletes are tested every day. We keep losing athletes every day because they're getting positive tests. And the only one who can cancel the Tokyo Olympics, according to the contract, is the IOC. Tokyo couldn't, the city of Tokyo, the Japanese government, they don't have the authority to cancel this. They have a contract with the IOC that lets the IOC be the ultimate um, decision maker on whether to cancel the IOC would lose four to six billion dollars in broadcast rights. It ain't gonna happen, Jack. <laughs> exactly. It is not going to happen. So if an athlete is positive, I mean, do they go home if, you know, quarantine time wouldn't allow for them to compete? Do they get to stay around in the hopes that they can compete? There are some who, you know, are, are hoping to make it, but... I mean, the fact is there's a 14-day quarantine. And so once this thing starts, by the time you get out of quarantine, your event will have passed. What is the process for allowing you to officially enter the country? Because I know you have to quarantine for three days in isolation and then 14 days before you can go at large. You know, what was that process like once you got there? It, it's a spit test here is how they're they're testing. And I gotta be honest with you, it's really hard after 14 hours on an airplane to come up with enough saliva. I know it's very disgusting. And my mother hears this, she'll think I'm like, a, you know, unladylike for discussing it. But it was really hard to spit that much. And um, they clearly, I wasn't the only one having trouble because there were wall, there are pictures on the walls of citrus. Mine was sliced lemons. And it said, imagine. And it was trying to, I think, help get us. <laughs> a little bit more saliva going, I think. Um, so trying to get a psychosomatic yes, saliva test. Yes, oh my god! Is, exactly. And then um, they put us in separate cabs and sent us sent us to the the hotel where we have been quarantining for um, the past three days. We uh, initially were given given fifteen minutes a day to go outside, and there's a there's a, we have a security guard um, in our hotel lobby who's sole purpose is to watch the people in quarantine and you sign out with her and she starts a little timer for you. I have my watch with me and I also start my timer. She sets it for 15. I set it for 14 because I don't want to get in trouble. 
So I give myself like a minute to run back across the street, maybe like Frogger if I have to, you know, dodging the car. Stacy said, I'm in a hundred meter dash too. We we all track stars. (laughs) Exactly. And, um, but then uh, about noon today, uh, the Tokyo government uh, announced um, uh, another spike in, in positive tests among the citizenry. And now we are no longer permitted that 15-minute break. Do you foresee a worst-case scenario that the games has to shut down halfway through? I, I don't. The damage that, that this event could cause, I don't think we're going to know within two weeks. I think it'll be like a month after, you know, that flame is ex- extinguished in the, in the closing ceremony when we know whether this is a super spreader event. I don't think we're going to know... The, the final chapter on whether this is a success or not is going to be written, you know, weeks and maybe months after it's over. Stacy, again, thank you so much. While some of the games have already started, the official opening ceremonies for the Olympics is this Friday. And Stacy St. Clair and photojournalist Brian Casella from the Chicago Tribune will be keeping us all at home updated on what takes place over the next couple of weeks. Stacey St. Clair, thank you for joining CityCast Chicago. Thanks for having me. This is great fun. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. The city council met fully in person yesterday for the first time since February 2020. The council voted to create a new police civilian oversight board made up of Chicagoans. While the mayor retains much veto power, the board will have increased authority over the Civilian Office of Police Accountability, or COPA, which investigates police misconduct. The council also approved the sale of the shuttered Michael Reese Hospital to make way for Bronzeville Lakefront, a $4 billion redevelopment that will bring thousands of new homes, shops, and research facilities to the south side. Some good news to get you through. There is no shortage of things to do in Chicago this summer, and that is especially true on the west side this weekend. Humble Park is hosting both the Chicago Latin Jazz Festival and the Columbian Festival. Plus, Wicker Park Fest returns to the neighborhood with a three-day festival that kicks off Friday. Remember, for more Chicago stories and events, sign up for our daily newsletter at chicago.citycast.fm. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Good night, Stacy. Good night. <laughs>